Welcome to Seeds of Hope. Listen now to this encouraging and uplifting message of faith and trust in our Lord, shared by Father Mike Moore. So this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, I ran across it last year and I was changed by the ideas that I read inside of that book. It's such a practical book. So let me start out with what's the premise? What got the book started for this author? So he was talks in the front of the book about a friend of his who went to visit one of the deans, like, and I mean, I'm using the word dean in terms of like a wisdom figure in the Protestant church. And this guy's name was John Ortberg. So he calls up this sage and he asks him this question. What do I need to do to become the me I want to be? And there was a long pause on the phone. The response came from Dallas Willard, who's the professor of philosophy at USC. And he said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then there was a pause. And then John Ortberg said, okay, what else? (laughs) And there was an even longer pause. And Dallas said, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And that was the thing that really changed John Marcomer's life, and I'm sure John Ortberg. And I hope it might change your life too, as it has mine. So he starts out in the book. I'm just going to jump around a little bit. There's a lot there. I just want to give a few summary points because I think the concept is so, it is so right on target for today. So he describes this list of symptoms of hurry sickness. So I'm going to go through the list and just really kind of name them. I'll comment on a couple of them. But as we're going down the list, how many of these fit your life? So if I've got hurry sickness. I'm often irritable. And you know what that's like. If you're busy, people are trying to get your attention. So we can, what we call snap at them, right? Irritable. Hypersensitivity. I know this is true for me. When I was at Christ the King, I don't know if maybe you saw this, those of you who were there back then or not, but when I was really hurried, little things bothered me a lot. You know, why is that door open again? I told everybody we need to keep that door locked because of security, and here it is open again. Those things would bother me a lot more when I was hurried. Restlessness. Workaholism. Emotional numbness. This is when, you know, I'll I'll talk to people and I'll say, so how you doing? And they can't tell me. They have to think about it. Well, let me think. Because sometimes they'll just say, fine. And you say, no, no, how are you really doing? How many of us would really be able to give an answer if we got asked that question? A lot of times we don't know how we feel. 
And one of the reasons may be we live such a functional, hurried life. We never really are taking the time to reflect. Out of order priorities. You know, it's when we say, you know, I need to be doing this more or that, you know, with something that we really feel is important and we're not really giving it the importance right now because we'll say I'm too busy right now. There it is. Lack of care for your body. Escapist behaviors. This is like binging on Netflix. And, you, you know, if you watch enough of those episodes, you might think, you know, after a while, you, you might be interested in the first couple, but then you just start to feel lethargic. People actually say they sometimes feel depressed when they watch too much screen. But those are kind of a behaviors getting us out of things. There's all the other ones as well, alcohol and um, you know, binging on the, just on the internet, on news, all, all the different ways we could take escapist behaviors. A slippage of spiritual disciplines. People will say, I don't, I don't have enough time to pray. I wish I had the time. You talk about going to Mass in the morning, or taking a holy hour during the day, or even a holy half hour. I could never do that. I, I got, you, you don't understand what's going on in my life and what, how busy things are. So the slippage of spiritual disciplines, even the ones I really want to keep, might just slip away. And finally, isolation. Where I get so busy, I'm not, I don't have time to even be with my friends and my family. So those are some of the symptoms of hurry sickness. Now, when I went through the list, did you have any of those? I think we live in a society where this is so common. Now, in contrast to that, Jesus waited until he was 30 years old to begin his mission. 30 years old. In that time, that's not like 30 years old today. 30 years old then, you're really deep into your adulthood. He waited till he was 30. He was in no hurry. No doubt in that time, just growing learning about what it's like to be a human being. He chose to do that as the Son of God, to be one of us. No hurry. Well, I remember meditating on this passage in Luke, where Jesus is in Capernaum. And the people get it there. They get the message. And he has all these people that come out to, at the end of the day, the sun's setting. And they all come out, and they want him to heal them. So I remember thinking about that scene, imagining it in my head. I never had heard this detail before. Luke says, he laid hands on every one of them. You know, he's the son of God. He could have just said, bow your heads. <laughs> you know, right? He could have said, it's the end of the day, he's already tired. Just bow your heads, and I'm going to heal you right now. No hurry. Went to every single person. You know, another example of that is when he gets out of the boat, and this official comes up to him and says, my daughter is dying, please come and save her. So Jesus says, I'll go there. And they start walking. And while they're walking, the big crowd, and the woman with uh, the hemorrhages for years... She says, if I can just touch his cloak, I'll be good. And when he feels that energy go out and she's healed, he stops. I mean, they're, they're probably the officials said, no, no, you got to go help my daughter. 
No, he doesn't think I'm going to be hurried. He wants to know who touched me because he wants to meet her. He wanted to say a line to her. A woman who felt unclean and outcast, if she touched anybody, they were unclean. Can you imagine living like that? I can't even touch anybody. He wanted to meet her. And he says, daughter, he calls her daughter, your faith has saved you. He took the time, not to hurry, but to heal her soul. When Lazarus, one of his best friends, is sick, when he hears it, he doesn't get up right away. They wait two more days. Of course, there's a great miracle when he gets there where Lazarus is raised from the dead. So we see in the one that we follow, someone who doesn't hurry. John Mark Comer says in that book, you can't love if you're hurried. He says, when we try to leave the house, when we have to go somewhere in the morning, he said, my wife is a personality B. You know what that means? You know, like easy go and laid back. And the kids, when I'm trying to get them out of the house because we're late somewhere, whatever I'm doing, it's not loving. It's just not <laughs> in my attitude. So not only is hurrying the obstacle of any real spirituality, it's also an obstacle to loving. So I want to just briefly touch on what he goes into great detail on in the book for solutions for how to not live such a hurried life. They all start with the letter S. So the first one, he couples silence and solitude. We live in a, a world where there's not a lot of silence. I know I, I've seen it several times. I go to barbershops when I get my hair cut. You know, more than one of these places has the TV going and the radio. <laughs> and they're talking. And I'm like, it's, it, it drives me crazy because it's like, why do we need all three of these things going on, you know? But wait, a lot of people are like that. I've had people tell me, I got to have something on all the time. So how do we get back to silence? You know, I had a high school teacher, a friend of mine in Omaha. So she was a religion teacher, and she wanted her kids to learn how to pray in silence. So she gave them this assignment. I want you to be silent for two minutes and then I want you to write about what it was like to be silent for two minutes. I said, two minutes? I, that seems like, <laughs> why not five minutes or 10 minutes? No, she said, two minutes was about what they could handle. <laughs> and they wrote about how the first minute was okay, but that second minute was really tough. Isn't that something? That's something. So how do we grow in that silence? I would say you do it by little bits. Whatever amount of silence you have in your life now, put in little pieces more. Like, for instance, you have to go to the store to pick up some something. Don't put the radio on or the news. Just be in silence when you drive. And you got a piece right there. So the next solution that he talks about, the next S word, is Sabbath. And he's talking about uh, this, the Lord's Day. Now, we all may have heard that keeping the Lord's Day holy in the third commandment, we usually think that means just mass. But it used to always mean that you also didn't work on that day. You didn't do 
we kind of started qualifying it then morally. We said, okay, you can't do servile work, which means you can't do work that you really don't have to do on that day. It's supposed to be a day of rest. That whole thing is kind of dropped off. I remember in Chicago, for instance, only the gas stations were open or, or a couple of convenience stores. Everything else was closed. It was Sunday. It's a day of rest. So Walter Brueggemann says this. He's a, a great Protestant uh, writer and preacher. People who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. It's true, says John Mark Comer. Watch out for the Sabbath. It will mess with you. First, it will mess with one day of your week. Then it will mess with your whole life. He talks a lot in there about really living the Sabbath, really taking the day off to do recreative things in your life as a personally and as a family and how much they look forward to that now. How can we celebrate the fact that we're created and in this wonderful world? He talks about the objections to this. I like the way he wrote this, so I'm going to read this part. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did you catch that? God rested. Yeah, but I'm not really into the Sabbath. I'm an extrovert. I just like to stay busy. And God rested. Yeah, I get the Sabbath thing, but I work a demanding job that I love and I just can't make the time because God rested. <laughs> yeah, but I have two little kids at home and it's just not really doable right now. Maybe later, do I need to say it again? God rested. Moving to the third suggestion for a solution, trying to get out of this hurried life. Simplicity. I once met um, a priest from Rome who taught there for 30 years. He came over to give a retreat to our guys in the seminary. His name is Father John Fulenbach. He's a German priest. So I went down to the Tampa International to pick him up. He's coming from Rome to teach our guys just for a week and then go right back. He gets off the plane and he's got this little satchel over his shoulder. It's about this big. I'm down in the baggage area with him. And I say, hey, you want to get your bag? He said, no, this is all I got. I said, that's all you got for a whole week? He said, that's pretty much all I own. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> he said, yeah, I, I haven't bought clothes in 30 years. I tell my relatives, you want to get me a sweater? Or I, I only buy two things a year. I buy two pairs of shoes. I buy a good pair of shoes and I buy a pair of sandals. So actually, when we got there, he had friends in the area who brought him three sweaters. And he kept one, and he says, give these other two to the seminarians. I wanted to go back to my house and clean out my closet. I mean, that, this guy was like, now that is simplicity of life. So how can I live a more simple life? Because the thing is, a lot of things we put into our life are the things that make us so hurried. So he, here's some of the things that, um, that John Mark Comer says. He says, keep in mind, this is especially when you're going to buy something. What is the true cost of this item? So let's say I'm going to buy a boat. <laughs> I want to buy the boat because I want to relax on the weekends. <laughs> and then you have to think about all the cleaning of the boat and the maintenance of the boat and the, 
Now, maybe for many people, this will be because they love doing all those things. But what's the cost going to be to whatever I'm going about to buy? Never impulse buy. Opt for fewer, better things. Get into the habit of giving things away. Live by a budget. Learn to enjoy things without owning them. So many things, especially around uh, Tampa area, that are just free. You can just go down to the river walk and, you know, Lowry Park, I suppose if you got a year pass, you can go there a lot of times the other ways. Cultivate simple pleasures. He talks in the book about how this simplifying his life gave him so much space. Let me tell you a little bit about his life story. He was a pastor, young pastor. They started a new church. They started out with 1,000 members, and he was the chief pastor. It grew by 1,000 families every year for seven years until they were 7,000 families. And he said, I was becoming miserable because of how busy my life became. The people around me who were working with me they saw that I was miserable and how I treated them was not very kind. It was all those symptoms of the hurry sickness. His family was struggling because of how busy he had become. So he made a decision when he got this news about ruthlessly eliminating hurry. He gave up the pastorate and his staff was thrilled. (laughs) By this time, this church had satellites. He took a satellite church connected to the main one in downtown area where he lived. And that was just right for him. And he talked about all the things that he started doing in his life following these four solutions that made his life so different. So the last one is slowing down. So I'm just going to list here some of the suggestions he makes. You may laugh at a few of these. You may have your own that you would um, utilize here. Just little things to just slow down. I've tried a few of these. As soon as you do them, if it's one that appeals to you, you feel the effect of it immediately. So here's one. Drive the speed limit. (laughs) How about this one? Get into the slow lane and just follow it. Get in the longest checkout line at the grocery store. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. So that's taking off apps, turning them off or whatever. Going on airplane mode for part of the day. Parent your phone. Put it to bed before you and make it sleep in. (laughs) Set times in the day for email. Some people just look at email once a day or twice a day. They just control that. Otherwise, the thing just keeps going. It just keeps controlling you. Kill your TV. Walk slower cook your own food and eat in. He's got a much longer list, but I just picked out these 10. You know, one time I was at a car dealership. They were going to have to keep my car, so they said, we'll give you a loaner. So I go into the place where you, it's in the same building. And I'm there, and there's somebody already getting waited on, and there's a woman behind me, and she is visibly anxious and upset that she's having to wait in this line. She's got so much to do. They can't fix the car right away. So the person got done in front of me, and I said, why don't you go next? I think you need it more than me. (laughs) 
And she, her whole face changed. Now she was like all, all happy. She gets the car and then I go up. And they said to me when I got up there, hey, we only got one car left. Are you okay with a convertible spider? <laughs> so, wow. Sometimes it pays to be patient. So a couple of reflection questions. My first question is this. So what do you think about that? That would just be, what's your immediate reaction as you go off and reflect on this? What do you think about what the things we just shared? Number two, how do you already practice eliminating hurry? Maybe you already do this, and I'm just confirming what's a part of your practice. Maybe uh, identifying it or articulating it. It's already there. And then the third one, when how might the Lord be calling you to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life? For many more practical solutions on how to slow down and not miss God's graces all around us, and for a deeper spiritual context, I recommend John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know. God bless you. If you would like to subscribe to the Seeds of Hope Reflections, just search Seeds of Hope with Father Mike in your web browser or wherever podcasts are available.